Greetings, everyone. This is a Sound Off Options show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards has got her tool belt on and is over there building the Sound Health Portal, which I'm very excited about. I've talked about it before. I'm going to talk about it again. The Sound Health Portal now means that you can go online on any computer, Windows or Mac, so that doesn't make any difference now, which is great. And you can uh, actually... Currently, she's running some free campaigns. So if you go to soundhealthportal.com, click on services, and then look at the campaigns. The campaigns are things that you can do now, meaning free, that you can submit. You go online onto soundhealthportal.com, choose the campaign, sign up for a free account, and then submit a 42-45 second vocal recordings, which you do right on the system. And then request the report, and you'll get a report back within anywhere from a couple of hours to 12 hours has been my longest that I've seen. And it'll give you a boatload of information that then you can either try and read and figure out what you're doing or what you're wanting to look at and or take it to your healthcare practitioner. Now we can do it all online, which I love, versus hauling a computer around, and plus it just makes it much easier to do. And that's at soundhealthportal.com. All sorts of great information. I think currently they're doing, uh, I think it's neuroplasticity, which shows the status of your brain and your neurology in your brain, as well as PTSD, and I'm not sure what the others are. Go to soundhealthportal.com and check it out. Today, I'm going to say this now, and I say it every week, but this is another one where it's like, this is going to be a great conversation with Sharon Lynn Wyeth about nemology. This is a powerful tool really great. <laughs> we were talking backstage and I've read the book, know the name, know how to connect. And it's really, it's, I think everyone should know this. We should all know the basic, at least the foundational, how to get along or how to think, oh, I don't think we're going to get along. And just knowing it, going in at really great work. So you can find this show right after I hit end and you hear the closing music, you can go to soundhealthoptions.com, click on the radio tab, and click on Sound Health Radio, and the replay link will be there, which will take you to the show notes and to listen to it there. And or in about half an hour to an hour, you can go to any of your podcast aggregators, which means iTunes or Pocket Casts or Dogcatcher or Google Podcasts is coming around quite nicely, or iTunes, and search for Sherry Edwards and any of the 600 and some odd hours of shows will be there, and this will be in the top of the list. And this is going to be a show I know you're going to want to listen to again, because a lot of really powerful information in a way with, who knew? It's so good. International name expert Sharon Lynn Wyeth is the founder and creative nomology science, the study of the placement of the letters in a name. After 15 years of research, followed by three years of testing in over 70 countries, she has evaluated thousands of names since 1995. Her best-selling book, Know the Name, Know the Person, is the first in the sequence, followed by Know the Name, Know the Spirit, and now Know the Name, Know how to connect. Today, she is hired by human resource departments in choosing appropriate candidates to interview, lawyers in how to present cases to judges, and individuals who wish to know themselves better and maximize their ability to connect with others. She also assists nationally and internationally in naming new businesses, new products, and when people wish to change their names. 
Sharon combines nomology science and her intuition to give exacting, accurate readings to individuals assisting them to get answers on topics such as love, career, money, relationships, and other aspects of life. Sharon joins us to talk about her latest book, Know the Name, Know How to Connect. Welcome, Sharon. Hello, Richard. It's always great to be with you. And you are so great because in your name, it says that you absolutely know how to connect with other people and you love inclusivity. You like to be included. You know, even if we were all going to go bowling and you didn't like to bowl, you'd still want to be asked to know that you were wanted. And then even if you told us for the hundredth time, no, the hundredth and first time, you'd still want us to ask you, (laughs) you know. And so but because you want to be included, you're so good at including everybody else. And that is such a desirable trait that's in your name. (laughs) See, you've got me laughing already because I can think of somebody who I know is going to listen to this show, who we're old friends, and it's a constant wrangling of, she'll say to me, I know you're going to say no, but just consider it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's exactly the part she knows. She doesn't even know pneumology, and she knows that it's like, I'm going to say no, and then eventually she'll bring me around, and I'll go, okay, this was really a good idea. I'm glad we did this, because I will be brought around, but there is that stubborn side. Um, But that's not my question yet. Uh, That's a whole other question. When Now, I I will put in the show notes, we've interviewed Sharon a couple of times before down through the years, so I'm not going to give you a whole lot of background on Sharon and talk about all of that. We're just going to dive right in. When you were a teacher and when you were a teacher and administrator for over 40 years, wow. Um, was there, was there an (laughs) that's amazing. When did you have an aha somewhere along the way that you'd be a thought leading nomologist? Did you, was there, at the beginning of that, was there a thing? Was there something where you went, oh, I, this is it? No, I wanted to teach because I had failed two years of math. And, well, and it wasn't failing the second year on my report card because the teacher graded by how well our bodies had developed. And I had developed early. So I got a good grade, but I didn't learn any math. So technically, though, I'd failed two years in math because I hadn't learned anything. My sixth grade teacher had said, oh, my God, you're a hopeless case. I'm just going to give you two reading classes instead of a math class. And so I didn't even have math for the year. And then in seventh grade, we all got all the girls sat in the front of the room and all the boys in the back of the room. And he was laid off after that year. But anyway, um, so I didn't learn any math in seventh grade. And in eighth and ninth grade, I had the most amazing math teacher. And she caught me up. All the way through, because all I could do, she gave us all these pretests to see what we could do. And all I could do is add, subtract, and multiply with whole numbers. I couldn't divide, and I didn't know anything about negatives, fractions, decimals, whatever. I mean, I was so far behind. And she caught me up so much in the first year that I got the highest on every test or tied for the highest in algebra in the second year I had her. And then she asked me if I wanted to tutor a child, and I saw how easy it was to catch that person up. And to give him self-confidence. And so that's why I wanted to become a math teacher, to be able to do for others like I knew I could because of that tutoring experience and because of what she had done for so many of us. And that's what inspired me. And then my big thing was I did not feel like I grew up in a safe neighborhood or a safe area. And I'm sure everybody else would have thought it was fine because it wasn't physically unsafe. It was emotionally unsafe. And so my big concern as a teacher was create the safe classroom. 
So when I started seeing the patterns in the names, my big thing was I need to really get this down so that I can always seat people in a way where they're safe in my room. And to answer your question, no, I never saw this really coming in that respect. My whole concern was how do I help these children and give them a safe environment so that they can learn and maximize their learning? And so over the years, I mean, it took me 15 years to develop it. And I started in my um, seventh year of teaching. So, you know, I was halfway through with my career by the time it started. And then I was always doing it on my spare time. But I was doing it because I started seeing so many good uses for it. And, and now it's just a passion. But to answer your question, Richard, no. When I started off with it, no, I didn't see that at all. You well, know, I think and that... so, Richard, no, the, go ahead. the question is, does our, do we choose our destiny or does our destiny choose us? That's the real question. Well, you know, yeah. mic drop. That's that's a that's yeah. you know an ongoing question. Is am I choosing it or is it choosing me? I'm in my sixties and I'm still not sure, but I'm going ahead. I'm having the adventure. Well, and and what's fascinating is in your name it tells you, and it gives you your timing. So isn't that fascinating? That's amazing. So, and what I was and, and what I was going to say is that what I was going to say is that I think that it's amazing that you discovered this and what an amazing place to do it because you had such a you had a huge flow of people coming through your life on a regular basis so you could ongoingly as you build your mental spreadsheet or maybe a physical spreadsheet of characteristics you could check it with each new class and see, oh yeah, that's true. Oh yes, that's true. And as more as as the you know as it began to settle in and as nomology developed, or you or actually I would say you evolved nomology, you got this regular body of people coming through, so you could go, yes, Johnnies are like that, or you know whatever however you would phrase <laughs> it. But I think that's an amazing thing to have that flow of people to constantly research and then you went international and even further researched it which is amazing in other languages that it, it holds up yeah as long as they use our lettering system it holds up okay and, and you're right i had 150 students a year plus you got to know their friends their parents plus i was teaching college classes at night so i would have another 90 students there and so you're right i had an amazing number of people and names you know, and, you, and, and that's been the real challenge for, I'm working on the Know the Name, Know the Health book, and most mm. of my research is done, but because I don't know enough people that have ailments or sicknesses or whatever, I mean, I'm now asking everybody who, who you know, calls and gets a reading because I'm wanting to verify my research, but you're right, it's the lack of names, which is what's made that book so hard and finding the patterns simply because I don't have as many people coming through. I mean... Mm -hmm. I, I wish there was a way that I could go to a hospital and say, can I just look at everybody's names and what they have? But, of course, that violates patient privileges and whatever. So yeah. it's been a challenge, but I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> and, and as your research grew, in the, particularly in the early days, now you really have a huge understanding of it. But as your research grew and you continued, what did you learn about your own name? Did your, did your, as you polished your work and as you realized more ahas, did you have more ahas about your own path and your own, your own name? Uh, yeah, I love that question, Richard. The answer is absolutely yes. 
I mean, I understood why I was the perfect candidate to do to create namology science because um, you need the memory first of all to keep remembering all those pieces. And memory lands an N. And if you look at my birth name, I have four Ns. And when you have a double N at the end of a name, like I do in Lynn, um, it means that you have almost a photographic memory for the things that you're really interested in. So, of course, I was really fascinated by nameology science. So that helped. Then if you have an O-N in your name, um, you know, be it first or last, if it's in your last name, it says you were taught in a very logical, deductive reasoning pattern approach. And if you have it in your first name, it says that you naturally think in that patterning way and that logical step-by-step approach. So if you have it in both the first and the last, which I did in my birth name, it means that you were taught that way and you naturally gravitated that way. So it, so the logic became very easy. And of course, you're a logical, deductive reasoner. And so you know, I look at my name now and I think, well, of course, why I could do the math just because my teachers didn't see it didn't mean I couldn't do it. And of course, I could figure out these patterns because that's all in the name. You know, and so it, it gave me great understanding and it also gave me great understanding being able to look at my name to see my timing that was in the name. So if my timing is accurate in the name in about two years, um, nameology science will explode. It still has mm-hmm. about two years to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's an amazing tool. I this was I was going to say this further on, but I have to say it now. For somebody such as myself, for a talk show host, who people probably don't know this, but I rarely, rarely speak to the person that I'm going to interview before we're on air. I read their material, I read their book, I get to know them, but I have no pre-show interview. I have no pre-anything. So the idea of being able to use your material, particularly in this Know How to Connect book, Know the Name, Know How to Connect, to be able to have a sort of an idea of the, the how do I talk to this person or how do I, they, you know, all that is an amazing possibility because that just gives me a little bit more information. I mean, I study people pretty hard before I interview them, so I know a lot about them and who they are and what they've done in the world, but I don't know anything about how to either communicate with them or how to ask them questions or how they think. I don't know any of that. And with this, that gives me an extra leg up of, oh, this is a way to approach this person. So I think it's it's magic. So my question for you, Richard, is once you've read that book, and that only talks about six letters and all the information that lies in just the first vowel of the first name, and isn't it amazing what all the information is right there so you can really imagine what else is in the name. Um, But when you were reading that book and now you've got that piece of information, do you ever look at names like you used to, or is there now a new, every time you see a name, does your brain do something different? Um, now my brain does something different. I mean, I have to, I, I unlike yourself, uh, well, I have memory. I have really good short-term memory. I, and, and I remember everybody I've ever, ever interviewed once I'm, I'm joggled, but I'll have to read it again uh, and really sit down with a pencil and, you know, kind of sketch it out. But I mean, it does make me, as I, as I was reading the book, it did make me start thinking about people <laughs> that I know really well and go, oh, wow. That's so them. That's so, you know, <laughs> even, even just the first, as you say, even though it's really about the, the first vowel in the name, it's just, wow, 
<laughs> That's all I have to say. I have no other words other than, wow, really? That's amazing. It's, it's a powerful tool. And to help everybody, you know, at the very back of the book, I have those pages where everything's summarized. So that, you know, as you're going through, you're going, oh, I want to remember this part. And now where was that? In the back of the book, it's all summarized into literally, because the first ballot gives us how we like to buy or purchase, right? What causes us to make a purchase? What's our operational style? What's our love language? What's our learning style? How our lessons appear to us? What kind of gifts do we prefer? What our greatest talent is? What our greatest challenge is? Um, motivation to make that purchase. Most important communication, you know, who's the easiest to communicate with? Uh, how to initiate a conversation, and even your favorite idiom. And so in the back of the book, I just list the categories and all the letters and just briefly, like one or two words, tell you what it is to remind you what it is in the rest of the book so you don't have to go digging. Yeah, I'm going to laminate that. I'm going to put that out and laminate <laughs> that because it's a great guide while I'm learning the pro while I'm learning it. Because as I said, even just in, in reading the book, beginning to think about all the people I know and because I've interviewed hundreds of people, just having that and then reframing how I talk to them and how I, I think about them. And, and particularly, we were talking backstage, I'm kind of shy in person. I know you wouldn't know it from me speaking into a microphone, but I'm shy in person. So to be able to go in a room or a meeting where people are wearing name tags and know who to like, like a billiard ball bounce off of and go, nope, not going there, going over here, you know. <laughs> Uh, that's that's powerful. That's you know it's a, it's going to become a lifestyle. I, I think I can see. I can totally see that as you said that it's a couple of years before it really hits. But I mean, when I see the kinds of companies that you're working with, working with attorneys, working with HR companies, working with you know the tech world. I think of the tech world. I had a brief stint in the tech world, being a. a technical writer for a software company and a support agent and coders are very different people meaning the people that write the computer code they're very different people and the hr people are very different types of people and for them to have your skill set for you to be able to talk to both of them or read both of their names and then combine that so that they both have a sense of who each other is oh my god because coders are all on some kind of spectrum i mean that in a kind way um, they're very hyper-focused and they're very quirky and they're, when they're on, they're on. And when they're not, they're not. Um, exactly. Um, I just got a, a wonderful letter of recommendation from the, uh, the tech firm, one of the tech firms I've been working with in San Diego and I've been working with them now for six years. And she said, this might help you. And she wrote me this wonderful letter of recommendation. And in it, she says, you know, the wrong hire on our size company that we have 40 employees about it is just deathly to us and very expensive. You know, we can't afford those wrong hires. And in the letter she wrote, um, on the two occasions where we thought that person was just so good that we didn't run the name by Sharon, uh, we got burned both times. And it cost us time, money, and, you know, effort and stuff. And so she wrote, she goes, she goes, ever since those two burns, we throw every name through Sharon. And it <laughs> and it's funny because I, I work for a very large company overseas and they just sent me five names for this position. And I said, here's your number one, here's your number two. And these three, I wouldn't even bother with. And they wrote back and they said, but one of these three that you wouldn't bother with is our favorite. 
And so I wrote this huge, long liturgy of all the reasons why he wouldn't be after you hired him. (laughs) And I thought, you know, you can learn from mistakes or learn from experiences, but I just thought, oh, please don't make this mistake. You have no idea. And so I wrote this incredibly long thing, and and it's interesting. We'll see if he gets hired or not. But just a, a little over a year ago, the same company, they asked me a lot, anytime somebody's going into a management position. And like I said, they're very large. And over a year ago, they were going to work with somebody because they needed that company to supplement their own stuff, like one of their suppliers. And I said, this guy's going to skim off the top. And sure enough, a year later, he said he skimmed like $600,000. And and so they wrote me and said, now, how do we get out of this? And I said, unfortunately, I have no ideas for you because the only thing that motivates this person is money. And so the head of this company is just brilliant. And he says, fine, I'll buy his company, you know, wow. and I'll get my money back. And, and so, I mean, that's how he resolved it. But my thought is we, we already had that one that I warned you against. And you went ahead anyway, and look what happened. I'm warning you again. It's not that often I have to be so strong in you do not want this person. <laughs> you know, but I so care about the companies that have hired me. I don't want them making a wrong hire. And, and I rate people. I'd say this would be like a B employee or this would be like an A employee. This is a B plus employer employee. And then I go, this is like an M employee. He's going to be so messed up. <laughs> you know, not even an F. It's all the way down the alphabet, you know. And so, <laughs> you know, and sometimes I think I care so much that, you know, that they're hiring the right people for the right positions because then those people stay. And then they're happy and the company's happy. And it costs money to get a new employee and to train them. And then the knowledge they accrue. And then if they don't stay, you know, it's hurtful to the company. And you want win-win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and on Absolutely. this guy, I even said, he's not going to get along with one person that's on this team. He, I said, he does not have one in his name. He clashes with every single person that's already on your team. If for, I don't care if he was a genius. Why else? You still wouldn't want him if he's going to clash with everybody. But, oh, my God, anyway. <laughs> I mean, I was so impassioned. And then I thought, I shouldn't care more than they do. But I do. But you do. Uh, well, I don't know if I care more, but I just care a lot. You you seem like a nine in an Enneagram, but that's a separate show. Um, uh, I am a nine in an Enneagram. <laughs> see, there it is. <laughs> One of my best there friends. There it is. Everybody well. <laughs> can look that up. Enneagram nine peacemaker. There we have it. She's yeah. the poster child for nine Enneagram. It's amazing. Um, I want to I want to jump slightly and give everybody. I'm I'm interested for myself. And I think it's a great, I'm happy to throw myself on the slab and be examined as always. I'm really interested in, my name is Richard Olson. My brand and what I put out to the world is Richard Talk To Me Guy. And I do that because I I want people to remember that brand because that's the hashtag I use on all my shows and that's my own website and it's really who I am. And I'm just, I'm interested in the differences between the two. I suspect that my birth name, Richard Olson, has a, you know, there's something in my birth name because we come in with a kind of choice or talk a little bit about that. How do we, I know in your studies, you've looked at that, but, you know, we come in with a name that kind of comes with us or we are that name or 
Talk about that part of the history. Okay, so first of all, according to when there were still only seven religions on the planet, and they agreed on 10 or 12, depending on how you grouped in basic ideas, what they all agreed upon was that the incoming soul impresses upon the one naming them who, what they want to be called. So we name ourselves. And now there's other sciences like somatics that validates that. So without going into that, we have our names, and our birth name is literally the blueprint for this world and for what's happening and what we came to learn. The seven things that we came to do or learn or perfect while we're here, the overarching umbrella of why we're here in those seven parts. Okay. And so then the names we go by tells us how we're going about those seven pieces of information that we came to learn. But in the birth name is also the timing, like, when you're going to be doing what and what you're going to be focused on when and when there's going to be transitions in your lifetime. And so that's fascinating to me. And my understanding from reading so many different spiritual books of, from different faith-based, okay, because I want to test it. I tested nameology science first on the Bible and all the names in the Bible and then the Bahavagad Gita and then the Book of Mormon mm-hmm. and then the Quran. And then, you know, so I tested it all first before I really brought it out. You know, would these people in these books do what they did according to the names? Okay. And so um, in that in that name is what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, but how you get from one place to another is, is your free will choice. So the main points are laid out for you and why you're here, but it's kind of like saying, I need to get from L.A. to New York. So are you going to walk? Are you going to hitchhike? Are you going to drive a car? Are you going to ride a bus? Are you going to take a train? Are you going to fly an airplane? You know, how are you going to get there is up to you. That's free will choice. But the name lays out where you're going and when you ought to be arriving. Hmm. You know, and then the name you're going by tells me how you're doing it, whether you're taking that bus or taxi or whatever, Hmm. you know, because people can change their names. So like in your name, Richard, in your last name, when, and this is for everybody, if you have an S-O-N and a lot of last names, have S-O-N in them. And if you have an S-O-N, I call that the prodigal son. That's my mnemonic device to remember. And it's, and it's the, the house was so powerful in their thoughts and their ideas, the parents were, that you have to leave home and able to really get a sense of who you are when you're not surrounded by family and who you choose to be. And then when you come back home, you get celebrated. So if you go away to college, that would meet that condition. If you go away to summer camps, you would be meeting some of that condition, you know, if you move away from home. But it's, you've got to leave home to find you and then come back like the prodigal son. And you've got that in your name. You had a lot of nurturing from your last name. Um, you know, your parents did the best they could, according to your last name. They loved you. And you may not have always agreed. In fact, it, it looks like sometimes you lately disagreed with their procedures or their methodologies, but at the same time, you knew you were loved. And in your name, it also says that enable the key in your memory, sometimes you'll do things the hard way, because if it comes too easy, then the next time it comes around, you spend so much time going, ah, how did I do that last time? It was so easy. And trying to remember that you could have already done it again a different way. And so if you make something a little bit harder when you're doing it than it needs to be, then that keys in the memory of, oh, yeah, this part was hard, so now I want to do it this way. So, uh, But that's the reason you would make something harder than it really is. Very inclusive. You came to learn through family and through relationships. You have honesty in your name galore. You cannot 
stand it when somebody lies or is dishonest with you. You may be polite to them because you have kindness in your name, but it's like you don't want to have anything to do with them, <laughs> you know, because they weren't honest. Um, it says, too, that, that one of your lessons is to learn how to deal with clutter, whether it's papers or a drawer or a car or whatever you keep your clutter, but that the clutter starts your memory going. I mean, it starts your brain activity. If everything's too kind, neat, nice and neat, then it's like you look around and you go, uh, how do we get started? You know, what needs to be worked on? But if you see an area that has clutter in it, then, and it can be as small as a drawer or a container, okay? But if you see the clutter, then the mind starts going, oh, I need to fix that. I need to clean that up. I need to make that more organized. And then your brain is going. So clutter is actually like the key to the engine of your brain. So I find that interesting in your name. Um, It says in your name that it's really hard or a challenge for you to deal with when people don't do what they're supposed to do. If they know they're supposed to do something and they don't do it, you know, and that's what hits you on an emotional basis that would say, you know, why can't you just do what you're supposed to do? And that can be upsetting (laughs) to you. So that's, that's a trigger in your name. So that's some of what's in your birth name. Now, when you change it to the talk to me guy, you give yourself more vowels. So it's easier for you to talk to people. Um, And because in your last name of Olson, you have this, "Eh, I want peace. And if I have to just leave to get it, I'll leave. But when you take away that Olson and you put a talk to me guy, it's like, hey, I'm here for the count regardless of what happens. You know, you don't have that that need to leave. (laughs) Okay. Which is really good because we wouldn't want you leaving in the middle of a show. (laughs) (laughs) You know? And, and it also gives you a sense of humor, and it gives you more self-confidence, and it, you become more comfortable with the spotlight on you because you've got all those letters in the Talk to Me guy, which is kind of cool. I'm, I was laughing when you said the uh, challenge when people don't do what they are supposed to do. I got my degree as a master herbalist in the late 70s, and I had an herb store and a national mail order catalog, and so I was in practice as an herbalist for a long time. And I still talk to people about taking supplements. And the hardest, the thing that drives me the most crazy is when I give people a supplement or an enzyme or something. I have, again, a a friend who I give digestive enzymes. I get digestive enzymes for. And the first time she took them, she said, oh, my God, these are going to change my life because of digestive issues. And yet, to this day, She'll not bring them with her or forget to take them or won't, you know, it drives, that does drive me crazy. That's why I think I don't practice as an herbalist as much because compliance drives me nuts. Like you have something, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be beneficial for you. You say you feel better when you take it and yet you forget to take it. What? So, yes. Yeah, exactly. Why would you do that? When they're not why doing would what you they're do supposed that? to do. <laughs> I just gave you such a brief little thing. I mean, I always joke because I can talk on two hours on what I see in somebody's name. And so, um, but I always want to give enough of the little things that people may not know. So they go, well, that could be true for anybody. And I go, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> right. You know. So. And, and, and now I want to, how does this relate? I, I know that you, you and Sherry have so much math in your mind. Uh, math was never my thing. <laughs> so it's always like when I talk to Sherry, it's like that. And I know that you have that same thing that this is really founded in math. How does 
in a certain way, how does nomology relate or how does, where does it, where are the crossroads of nomology and bioacoustics? Okay. First, I want to make a correction. It's not founded in math. It's founded in logic and patterns. Okay. Okay. There's no numbers involved. It's not numerology. It doesn't have anything to do with numerology. Okay. It's all the placement of the letter in the name and what it's sitting next to. Okay. So it's founded in logic and pattern. And yes, I have a math brain because, um, and so does Sherry because her real birth name is Sharon. (laughs) Okay. And it sits there. And so, um, so our brains are thoroughly trained in patterns and, and finding the patterns. Okay. Because that's in the name. Um, so now I've forgotten your whole question. I am so sorry. I've, it was it was the relationship of pneumology to bioacoustics. Okay. So bioacoustics uses patterns and pneumology uses patterns. And what I find is really interesting is there's certain patterns that I look for in a name and they're missing. I mean, sometimes I go, where's this? I think everybody should have this. Like, I think in somebody's name, I would want everybody to have good discernment. And when I see that that's missing in a name, I think, oh, my gosh, this person's gullible. How difficult would that be to get through life being gullible? You know, and so that, in a way, is similar to what Sherry's doing when there's certain sounds or notes that are missing. And then they relate very often to the same thing I see in the letters that are missing or the combinations that are missing. Mm-hmm. If that makes mm-hmm. sense, how I said that. I mean, yeah. I've done that sound health options, and I listen to Sherry on the radio, you know, every chance I get. I find her work absolutely fascinating. And I've called in and volunteered my voice for different things. You know, like, like tell me, what notes am I missing? And when I did that one that you were talking about, to go to soundhealthportal.com, and then go to the services tab and then look at the campaigns. Mm-hmm. I've done some of those. And then the notes that I'm missing, I literally play those notes and say, how well do I hear those notes? Can I match my voice to those notes? Can I incorporate those notes in? Because I want to be able to hit all my notes. <laughs> right. I mean, right. I mean it, it sounds funny, but I'm the one that would be, like anal, it, like Richard, if you told me you needed these supplements, I'd say, how many a day, how many milligrams, how long, you know, is it a lifetime thing or just 21 days or 40 days? You know, I mean, I would be so uh, detailed oriented to, I have to do this exactly right. And, and it's just like, <laughs> I think the dentist loves me because I go in with all these questions and whatever they tell me, like, I make sure I exactly do that. Like, I miss two teeth a lot at the very back on the side, on the bottom. And so I said, how do you get in there with a the toothbrush to really get these teeth? And that is such a focus every time I brush my teeth because how we take care of our teeth determines how we're taking care of our body. It'll show up in our mouth first. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that slogan, take care of your teeth or, you know, and they'll take care of you or you don't take care of your teeth and don't worry about it. They'll go away. You know, Um, (laughs) yeah, really. And so um, anyway, I'm, I'm so like, I with, as you are, I'm in my 60s. And it's funny, because when I go square dancing, everybody says, Oh, my God, you have so much energy, you must be in your 40s, or maybe early 50s. And I think, uh, yeah, right. No. (laughs) You know, and so, um, but I think how we take care of ourselves is very, very important. 
and the health is in the name and what supplements would be beneficial based on the health that you're seeing in the name is also there, you know? Hmm. So I think all of that, all of that stuff that Sherry's doing is just fascinating. And I look at it that if I can, if I can show you in the name where your weakest areas are, like for an example, um, the minute I see an ND in a name, like in Rosalind or Linda, there's a lot of ND combinations. I think you got to watch your knee, you know, get in and out of the car, not one leg at a time, because that strains the knee that's not going into the car first, you know, it twists it. Instead, sit down, pull both your legs in front of you. When you're getting out, put both your legs over on the side, then stand up, you know, take care of those knees. Because I see a lot of people with ND in their name uh, getting knee surgeries in their 60s. Okay. So, and I see people with an AN combination in their name, which is also a very common one, but they have immune difficulties. So, I mean, if I look at that AN in a name, I'm going, take care of your immune system, you know? And, and so there's different combinations where I just go, oh, you know, your, your weakest link in your body is, is this, you know? And I think if you focus on keeping that part healthy, then your whole body functions better. And then... So when I'm looking at it, this is the part that, that you need, then I can send people to sites like Sherry's or herbalist sites or um, other sites and say, learn how to do this off of these sites. You know, mm-hmm. learn what's needed now from these other sites. So cool. but I, I tell everybody about Sherry's work. I think it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you think there's a, this is leaning more toward uh, Sherry's work, well, actually, I'll step into this question sideways. When I was small, as soon as I was in school and I was answering attendance questions, oftentimes in school, early on, they would nickname me or change the name Richard into Dick. And even as a small child, I was very much, no, my name is Richard. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember this vividly, even, you know, I don't know, I want to say kindergarten, but probably not kindergarten, but I mean, very young, I was very much, I'm Richard, not Dick. And it had nothing to do with the connote of the name or anything. It was just, I, on some level, I try, I've been trying to figure that out for a long time because on some level, I didn't like the sound of that versus I felt more comfortable with the name Richard. And I think that must be some sort of bioacoustic thing. Or you're going to tell me well, the other reason. The other thing is, is that when somebody gives us a nickname and we agree to answer it, they are literally saying, these are the only parts of you I want to see. And mm-hmm. in the name Dick, bless everybody who's named Dick, is a negative because we say, don't be a dickhead. Don't be a dick. Right. You know, yeah. it, it's like, I think we all know subconsciously we don't want that. You know, and so... Um, also, if it doesn't have all of your letters in similar placements or another way of giving you the same information, because there's two to three combos that will always give you the same information so everybody doesn't have to have the same letter to get something. Um, when you look at that, you're saying, hey, I want to be all of who I am. I don't want to have to regulate myself because you're only willing to see this aspect of me or this part of me. And when we agree to go by a nickname that somebody else gives us, not that we give ourselves, we're literally saying, 
it's okay. I'll monitor myself and you don't get to see all of me because you won't accept all of me. And so as a child, it's like, no, I want to be all of who I am, not this part that you want me to be. So I think when mm. we, as a child, when they say, no, I'm, I'm Richard, I'm not Dick, you're literally saying, see and accept all of who I am. And, and don't try to make me into your image of who you think I want to be. Mm. Well, that was a lot to think as a small child, but I thought that. <laughs> yeah, but I think some part of us knows that. Just like, Richard, before you knew any part of namology science, how, didn't you realize that there are certain names that when you meet somebody with that name, you go, mm, I don't know if I'm going to get along well with this person. There's something about that name. Haven't you, through experience of meeting different people with the same name, gotten an idea of what that name is like? And so we get a vibration. Every name has a vibration. We're all going to vibra vibratory science. Mm -hmm. And every mm -hmm. name has this vibration. And we feel that vibration as it hits our auric field and our own energy field. We're feeling that vibration and we react. And, and so instead of doing it unconsciously, which I think all of us do all the time, what I did with Namology Science is I made it conscious. I literally said in a way, these letters carry this vibration and that manifests in these behaviors. Okay. And so mm. with Sherry's work, it's the same thing. These sounds carry this vibration and it manifests this way in the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it all, all goes back sense. to vibration. Right. And I really right. feel that in the next 20 years, we're going to have medicine is going to so jump into the space age that they're going to realize it's vibration. And if we can get the vibration back to the vector that was formed when we were born between our birthplace and our name and our date of birth. Okay. Those three things. And if we do that vector, that gives us the vibration. And if you can match your vibe, your current vibration to the vibration at birth, if you were healthy at birth, then everything in your body will readjust and become healthy again. And I think mm -hmm. that's where we're headed in vibrational medicine. I think so. I think we're moving. That's always been the, one of the things I like about Sherry's work is I have the feeling that at some point we're going to tap into what I would call um, the stem cell work that's based on where you take your own stem cells and re-inject them back into your system. You take them out of adipose tissue and then you inject them back into your body or have them in IV. And when you take your own stem cells and put them back into your body, as particularly in IV, they know where to go to fix things. And they're taking you back to your point of origin of like, as you said, if you were healthy as a child, they take your DNA back to like, oh, here's our point of origin. Go. And I think yeah, the same thing is going to occur. Yeah, and I think it's right around the corner. I mean, we have made such leaps and bounds in understanding in our vibrational medicine category and how things really operate that I really believe that the things that we saw on Star Trek where they just shoot you full of something, I think that's a vibration that they're, you know, and then all of a sudden that person's better. Uh, I think we're headed in that direction, and I don't think we're that far off from it. I think we're going to see absolutely miraculous things come out of medicine in the next 20 years. I think so. I see a lot of, I didn't mean to go here, but I just have been doing some research recently on uh, there's a new device out where you put it on your head, uh, sort of like just a little headset, 
and it pulses electromagnetic fields into the brain and helps stimulate learning and a bunch of other things. And it's a leading edge kind of thought. And I think that the the tech world, a lot of people in the in that side of the tech world feel that there has to be a device that you put on the body and it has a direct thing. But I think at some point we're going to get to that star quarter, you know, Dr. whatever his name was, uh, Dr. Jim, I think. Um, you know, they where they the tricorder they hold over you and they're going to make a sound and you're going to go, and I'm back. <laughs> so yes, I, <laughs> I hope to live that long. That'd be very exciting. Just do that. Hit me with the thing, the tricorder. I'm fine now. Thank you. Next. Yeah. It's uh, exactly. we're not far from that. Right now, I, I, I'm gonna, I think we're living in miraculous times. I think so too. You know? I'll stop there. Scary um, time. Yeah, scary, but really like, wow, there is amazing stuff going on. Now, I want to ask about, you do work with attorneys. Now, that's that seems, I I kind of understand human resources, uh, but the idea of working with attorneys, I mean, are you the Jason Bull, if there's a TV series called Bull, where he's a consultant to to attorneys in, in law cases, he picks jurors. And it seems like that's you, but you're doing it from a pneumology perspective, I believe. How do you right, work with attorneys? A totally, a totally different perspective. And so how I do that is there's a lot of pre-conversations before we're choosing a jury. And first of all, we start with the client's name because I want the lawyer to have a good handle on who that client really is and what words will tell that client that you're working on their behalf. Because the client, the lawyer wants to get paid. And if they lose the case, a lot of clients don't want to pay, you know, and they still owe the lawyer. But if you have the right terminology or the right use of, of certain words while you're giving your arguments, that person knows you're fighting on their behalf because you've pinged them all the way down. And so their chances of getting paid go a lot higher and it's a lot easier to get paid. So once you really know your client and what words they need to hear, then we're looking at the jury. And I always ask, how are you going to go about this? You know, what's your strategy? Are you going to try to win it on an emotional basis? Are you going to try to win it on a mental basis? Are you going to use, you know, logic? Are you, are you going to use uh, feelings? You know, what's your strategy for winning this case? And when they give me their strategy, then I say, okay, then this is the type of juror we want that's going to follow that strategy or fit better into that strategy. And so once we know what we're looking for in our jury, based on the strategy that the lawyer is going to use, um, then I get to be like a bud in their ear. And when they say the juror's name, I give them the percentage of how close they are to our ideal juror. And so they can get it right there on the spot, whether we want this one or not. That's amazing. That must make uh, attorneys must love you. Well, the ones I'm working with are very happy. So far, I can tell you, Richard, that any attorney that has hired me has never fired me. I'm still working with them. (laughs) That's really really good. That's really great. Wow. I want to do a whole show just talking about the political realms of like, what about this guy? And what about her? And what about, you know, it's just, oh, boy. You know, as we get closer, as we get closer, I've put on every time there's a presidential election – I have literally analyzed somebody's name, all the candidates' names, and put it on my website. So that oh, great. you can decide for yourself, I like these qualities, I don't like those qualities. 
So you right. can decide for yourself, you know, and that's because, a... yeah, I, was say, I do it without any political slant or whatever. Right. Now, I've been accused of a lot of political slant, and I'm saying, no, this name just reads better than that name. <laughs> right. That's all it is. <laughs> it's all and, it is. You know. And that's a great time. Tell us your website, if you would, please. It's knowthename.com. And then that's got the interviews on it, and it's got a lot of information and how to get the books and, and the classes and all of that. That's the main website. And then I have a secondary website that's Best Name Meanings. You can buy nothing on that website, and it's just 70 pages all about names for people that are interested in learning more. But if you want to purchase a book or get in a class or get a reading or any of that, you've got to go to the main website, which is Know the Name. Great. Okay. Because I, I can't put it in chat. My chat over at Blog Talk isn't, won't allow me to currently to post URLs, so I want people to be able to hear that so they can get it. I've been trying to get it well, to work, I, but it just won't go. Well, Richard, I always jokingly say that if you're reading or if you're writing, if you're not where you can write it down, and you go, oh, I need to remember the name of that website. I need to know the name. Oh, yeah, that was it. Know the name. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Know the name. That's how, how are we... How are we able to use nomology to improve our lives? I mean, beyond knowing of others, are there what other aspects can do? We want to think about changing our names if we want to move a different direction. Do we want to consider that? Some people do, and some people will hire me to help them find the perfect name for who they want to be. And when I'm doing a new name, um. First of all, I say you've got to know what your what your last name says, what your birth name says, because that birth name isn't changing. So here's your plan for your life. Now, now if you want to change your name, it's how you're going about that plan is going to be different. And so to me, there's a lot of work that goes on with a new name because I ask them, what are the 10 things you want people to know about you right away? What are the 10 most important qualities and the people you are going to attract to you that you want? And I've got to make sure that the new name fits that 20 criteria and allows you to finish your blueprint doing it an easier way. Because if it takes you away from your blueprint, I haven't helped you. You know, you've got to still be able to finish what you came to do. And so um, that's one way that when we do new names, what I have found is frequently once somebody understands their birth name, they're more at peace with their name. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I didn't realize that's what it meant. Oh, that I don't need to change it. Okay. And and that's great too. Okay. Like I changed my last name. I want to change the type of people I was pulling into my life. Okay. So just knowing what your name says, first of all, you know why you came. You know your seven things you're here to learn. You know you'll be able to recognize when you're falling into the challenges of your name because we spell those out and how to flip it. For an example of that, suppose you have an ST in your name, like a Stephen, or it can even be in the middle of the name, toward the end of the name. You know, it doesn't matter where the combos are. So let's say you have an ST. The cha challenge in an ST is stubbornness and you can get in your own way, whereas the benefits of an ST is you're persistent, you don't give up. So you find a lot of doctors, a lot of lawyers, a lot of people that have a ton of schooling have these STs somewhere in their name. Okay, and so if you find yourself getting in your own way, you say, oh, yeah, that's the stubborn part of me. All I have to do is listen 
to everybody's opinion. I can choose and pick. I don't have to take it, but I might find a jewel in there. And as long as I'm listening, I'm not stubborn. And then I can be persistent in going forward, even if I still want to do it exactly like I was going to do it before. But now I'm being persistent instead of stubborn. So you can catch yourself on your challenges that are in your name, and then you know how to flip it. And I think that's really important because we want to live to the higher vibration of our name, uh, not the lower vibration. But I'm just pausing and thinking. That's dead airspace fixing moving. Whoa. So so to me that explain that helps me consider the why my brand name, my Richard Talk to Me guy, in a certain way makes more sense for an on air personality because it it is it, it's more expansive. It, it as you said, it has more vowels in it and it just seems more more inclusive. This, I don't dislike my real name at all. It's just that it just seems like talk to me guy is really who I am in a certain way. Am I reading that correctly? Right. Right. Because in Richard talk to me guy, you have five out of the six vowels and the one vowel you don't have is the vowel that says I need to be the boss and we need to do it my way. And that's the one vowel you're missing. <laughs> <laughs> so you have all the other vowels. So in other words, you don't have to be the Indian chief. You can be every variety of the master chef without needing to be the one in charge. You can have all the skills without needing to be the one in charge. That's so perfect. That We, we talked backstage about my restaurant history. And I, the man I originally trained with or survived under was a master chef. And that was the one thing that's so perfect. Because the one thing in being in the restaurant business for 20 years and being a chef is I didn't like being the boss. I didn't like being the person who always had to keep people accountable. And I just really wanted everybody to show up and do their job and have it's really hard work and have a good time and, you know, do what we were supposed to do. I didn't want to have to always be going, you're late. and Where are you? And why aren't you here yet? And did you do that? And where are those onions? And I didn't enjoy the master part. <laughs> so that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in the talk to me guy, that's the one letter you're missing. So it's like you got, you got all the skills without having to be the boss. <laughs> That's wonderful. And do you think, back, back to Sherry for a moment, Sherry's work, do you think about the sound of our names as we say them? I know, I know that she would have probably a whole thing about that because of the bioacoustics of as we say our name. Like I kind of think that way when I think about the difference between Richard and Dick. I just like the onomatopoeia or the sound of Richard over Dick. And I think I always have since I was a child. And are the, do you have that in your consideration? You're more um, logic and form. It's, it's really placement. Where is that letter sitting and what's it sitting next to? Okay. However, if we hear a letter that is not in the name, like Zena, Zena is X-E-N-A, but we hear that Z. Okay. So when we're reading that name, we will read Z as a subtle letter. It's not in your face because it's not written there, but it's a subtle letter that's going to come in and play anyway because we hear it. And so when we're analyzing a name, we analyze all the letters and the placement of the letters and, and where they are and then all the combos of the letters. And then we analyze the sounds of the letters that are not apparently there, like in Zena. You know, just like if, like in the news recently with Xi'an, China, 
and Xi'an is X-I apostrophe A-N, okay? But you hear Xi'an, you know, you hear different letters. And so you would analyze not only the letters you see, but the letters that you hear. So hearing does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, yeah, and that think about X in names is pronounced so many different ways around the world. Yes. Right. <laughs> Well, I think about there's there's a company uh, that's, well, that's a whole long other conversation, but like Huawei, people don't, we hear that name because there's a lot of stuff happening with them, not only in the news, but also in the tech world. Uh, They're they're a company who makes all sorts of phones and all sorts of equipment out of China. And, but there's an H. Now we we don't hear the H, we just hear Huawei. So I think Americans would spell that thinking there's a W there, but there's not. It's an H, H-U-A. And so there are languages like that where the H is just gone. We don't hear it. Like the, Z, like the X that's pronounced Zena has always confused me. Even since I was a kid, it's always like, why is that Z? <laughs> how has that, X become a Z? Where's that in the language? What's that? So there are these but, things that are confusing. Letters, yeah, but even our letter C. Sometimes it's pronounced like a K, and sometimes it's pronounced like an S. <laughs> you know, Who made this um, up? I think I think that's why English is so difficult. When I started learning some foreign languages, I found Spanish incredibly easy. You know, it's so rare that they break the rules, and when they do break the rules, there's a whole slew of stuff, and they all break it the same way. You know, and there's not like these one only, or they're so incredibly rare. And so, like in different languages, like in Chinese, there's four dershans. You learn those dershans and what they mean and how they say them, and that's it. There's not all those exceptions, you know. And and I look at different languages around the world, even the hard ones. Like I think Chinese is really difficult, challenging. And so you look at that and you think, but they follow the rules. So once you learn the rules, it's easier to learn the language, but not English. We have just as many weird exceptions as we have the things that follow the rules. So I just I just think that English is so difficult for people to learn, especially then because we put all these articles in there. And what I've noticed a lot, I, you know, I've lived in three countries other than the United States, and I've now traveled to 76 countries. And what I find is when people attempt to learn English, knowing where to put the article is really challenging. It's one of the challenging things for people because they don't always follow the rules because our rules aren't consistent. We just seem to make them you know? sometimes. The C thing, like you said, the <laughs> C is an S or a hard C. Um, having been again in the restaurant business and always in California, I've, well, I took a lot of Spanish in school, but you know, Spanish to me was always so easy to learn compared to English because as you said, it's very, there isn't much hidden. It's this is how it works. You conjugate the vowel, you conjugate the names, you do things. It has, you know, a pattern. It's it's a pretty logical kind of easy to learn language once you and especially once you hang out with people and do it. It always made sense. English. I don't know how people learn English. It's the weirdest language. See, I feel that same way. And did you notice when you were learning Spanish that it's softer on the ear? And so when you come out, let's say you've spoken Spanish for an hour. And then you come out into an English-speaking environment, it's almost incredibly harsh on the ear. It's like, ouch, that hurt. And oh, then very much so. It's the, it's the same thing when you're speaking English. 
and then you're speaking German. Let's say when I lived in Germany, you're speaking German for an hour, and German is a very harsh language. It's got a lot of harsh sounds. And then you come back to English, then English sounds pleasant compared to the harsh sounds of, of German. Right. You know, so it's just, and, and, and maybe we evaluate that way because English is a native tongue. So everything's compared to English, where maybe if you were a native German speaker, that would be the more pleasing sounds to you, you know, versus others. But I find the Latin languages, they like roll. It's like, it's like smooth mountains, you know, or nice waves. It just rolls and it sounds so pretty. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I mean, the original I don't like dating French. Go ahead. I was just going to say that the chef that I trained under was German. So for a long time, when I would listen, and and there were some servers in the restaurant that also spoke German or were German. And when they'd come in the kitchen and talk at each other, oftentimes it would sound like they were fighting or argumentative. And it's just, the, mm-hmm. it's the sound of the language. They would then laugh like, ha, 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 ha. And it was like, really? Sounds like you just had a knockdown, drag out fight. No, no, we're just t- talking. And it's such a different approach to how people, you know, it's, it took me a while to get the cadence of how they were talking. I never learned any German other than Wiener Schnitzel. Well, but I mean, well, you know, it's just, it's so but, different. But so you say, so I speak a little German. So, but can you imagine um, saying, Ich, you know, and I, I don't get all the, Ugh. I, I still have a hard time with it, even though I lived there for three years. But can you imagine referring to yourself that way? <laughs> you know? no. I, mean, I just look at it and I think, okay, this just doesn't resonate with me. And but my grandmother was German, and so um, I thought it was a great opportunity and and such a pleasure to get to live in Germany for three years. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I got to teach overseas, um, but it's it's amazing to me what one person finds as okay and another person doesn't. Like in China, their fourth Dershan is sounds like they're angry. So I always compare it to a roller coaster ride. So the first Dershan is it's flat. So let's just take the syllable ma. Okay. So ma flat means mother. But then if you do ma, the second Dershan is going up like a question. Ma, like that. And if you attach that to an end of a sentence, it changes it into a question from a statement. So I might say ni hao for hello, but ni hao ma would be how are you? Okay, and so then the third Dershan is like on the roller coaster. Now we've had a flat and we've gone up. Now we're ready to go down and up again. So it's ma'a, okay, and ma'a means horse. And so, (laughs) and then the fourth Dershan is when you're coming down at the end of the ride. And so it's ma, and because it sounds like you're mad. And I don't remember what that one meant because I didn't have to use it very often. So, but you've got these four Dershans. So it took me six months to be able to hear the Dershan of every syllable. Because you think about it, the minute you have a two-syllable word, you have 16 possible ways of saying it. So you have to be able to listen to that Dershan, because just like with Ma, depends on which Dershan you're saying is which word it means. And so, anyway, it took my ear six months to, to be able to distinguish the difference in the sounds. And bless my Chinese teacher, she'd say, well, here's this one, and here's this one, and I think it sounds the same to me. <laughs> you know, I'm sure she got really, you know, aggravated at first. I eventually got it. You know, bless her patience. But That's amazing. 
talk about sounding mad. That fourth Dershon, to us, when we go down sharp like that, we're angry. And that's in our tone. And so with them, they sound like they're mad all the time. You know, and they're not. <laughs> right. Them and the Germans. I know. Um, we're at that time yeah. where I have to ask. Well, I, I want to say, for starters, that I think everybody should have a copy of Know the Name, Know How to Connect, because I just find that such I'm going to reread it and make notes and print out those last pages and have them laminated because I want to have them as a reference, <laughs> because I just think it's so helpful, particularly with this this audience. There are a lot of people here that are practitioners, and to have this as a as a handy tool to just know that when you're communicating with somebody that you can have an idea of going in how they might perceive or what they might think or, you know, just, just that hint of a guideline as a show host, as I say, for me, it's going to be a lifestyle of looking at the name and going, aha, I'm okay. Good to know. <laughs> That's really amazing. And so where do people find the book? Do you teach it? Do you have an online class about this? The new know how to connect just basically um, the vowels yet? Um, I do a, I have a disc that teaches it. It's like three hours long and you can get the disc um, because I don't have a class just for it because it's easy to learn. And the way I do it, it's easy. And when you order the disc, we give you the handout. So you've got all the pictures that go with it. And so um, anyway, that's how we take care of that class. But to answer your question for the whole know the name, um, we do it. In, I do it in person. I've done it online and I have a six CD disc set of it. So you get all the handouts, everything you would need, because there's different things that I send with it. So when I say in the instructions, do this, you've got everything you need to do that with, even down to the pen to write with. Um, so you can get it three different ways. We've just added a class um, because of demand, and it's in a little town that's right outside of Jackson, Mississippi. And that's going to be in June. So that's the next one. But you can go online to knowthename.com and go under services and find the dates for the classes and what the classes entail. And, and so the answer is yes, you can learn it different ways. Now, I don't give as many in-person level one classes as I used to because so many people find they like the disc set better because they can replay it. <laughs> you know, they can hear it again. Mm -hmm. and, and the other thing is they get all the benefits is that they were in class because most people would say, well, I don't get to ask questions, but you do. Because I know what's on every disc, and at the end of the disc, you get to call and ask any questions you had on that disc. And we answer them because we want you to learn it. And then it's also all of the classes include 10 months. It's over a year worth of time. But we, there's 10 calls where there's reteaching, question and answers, and more information given. So you get a whole year of follow-up with every class. And, of course, we always answer the emails. So, I mean, they take our priority. Those are the first emails we always answer every day. So the answer is yes. Level one is learning all the basics of nameology science. And unless you're going to go into business and use it with businesses, that's really all you need. Uh, level two is the subtleties that are within a name and how do you create new names for products and businesses? How do you work with lawyers? How do you work with HR? You know, what's your business aspects? How do you find that information in the name? And then level three is, how do you find the seven reasons that somebody's here and how do you read the name from the soul's point of view instead of the personality's point of view? And eventually there'll be a level four, which is to know how to do the health. So Wonderful. it's all on the website, but level one is a foundation for all of it. And then you don't have to take them in order. 
great. Okay. And that's all at knowthename.com for those yeah. that are driving. And level one, <laughs> right. <laughs> and level one is 15 hours. I mean, you can come for two days and you walk away being able to give a one-hour reading to somebody. And I've always said that, and it's so funny because I have people challenge me that they'd be able to do that. I said, yes, you can. So far, everybody's been able to. And they line up their people to repay themselves for taking the class, right? It's all scheduled before they get in, and they go, okay, teach me because i got all these people lined up, you know? And wow. it's so funny because I get the phone calls afterwards, and they go, oh, my God, everybody loved their name readings. I can really do this. And I think, of course you can. It's not that hard. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, Sharon, that was an adventure, and I knew it would be. And once again, I'll remind people that you can find this replay at soundhealthoptions.com. Click on the radio tab, click on Sound Health Radio, and the replay link will be there, which will take you to the show notes and the link uh, to the Know Thy Name uh, website, as well as some other references, and or go to your podcast aggregator. And as I told you right out of the gate, you're going to want to listen to this again. I can tell. All right, everybody, have a great rest of the weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.